Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends. Episode 140 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. Uh, my name is Byron. I'm here with my good buddy, Gary. Gary, what's happening, my friend? Uh, nothing. Just thinking about how to get my cardio better than five minutes this week. <laughs> so uh, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm sure you're all over that. And we'll we'll even work on that a little bit today with you. As this episode passes the five-minute mark, uh, you'll, you'll be just fine, I'm sure. So uh, we have a great show for you guys today. Uh, Ricardo Tubbs, if you've heard of the, the firm, a gee company, uh, that's what Ricardo's been doing, making high-quality geese for people, for schools, does some charitable work as well. Uh, we'll talk about geese. We'll talk about jujitsu. We'll talk about uh, a lot of different topics. Here we go, Kerry. Good show coming up, my friend. Yeah, definitely make sure you uh, listen to the interview part because you're going to learn a lot. Talk, uh, listen to Ricardo there. Um, but also, don't forget uh, if you want to support our show, we have an audio book. Uh, Byron recorded an audio book. It's two and a half hours. It's called your your first year in BJJ. And that's really what we're trying to help you through your your first year. If you stick past the first year, there's a lot better chance you're going to uh, um, keep with it. Um, a lot of different chapters, as we talked about last week. You know, one of them's picking a school. Another chapter is uh, uh, preparing for your first tournament, which is a nerve-wracking experience. It's um, it's always good to have a little bit of advice there to uh, help you out. But uh, definitely check it out. It's two and a half hours of content. It's only eleven dollars and ninety nine cents. Uh, we have a link to it on the show notes. So definitely check it out. Your first year in BJJ. Yep, honored every time we we sell a book, and it definitely helps keep the show going. If you are interested in that book, uh, you could maybe even find a link to that in your email inbox because we do have an email list. Go to bjbrick.com or our Facebook page, type in your name and email address, and we'll send you out the show notes every week in your email inbox, hot and fresh, never stale, always zero calories, Gary. But uh, Man, hot and fresh, never stale. That That's a good quote right there, Byron. <laughs> I just got done uh, selling you should be- baked items. You should be working for Krispy Kreme or something. <laughs> yeah, but I said zero calorie as well. But, oh, okay. uh, but basically, every week I'm compiling um, links to places where we talk about and articles and uh, links to the, the interview person and guests we have and, and anything they're doing. And all that will be in your inbox uh, along with a link to the uh, actual show. You can listen that to way you never there. miss a show. There we go. And if for some reason uh, – iTunes messes up or, or maybe Google Play Store is giving you a hard time, you'll still get the email and you'll still know what's happening this week on the show. So that's kind of the idea of that. And uh, we send out an email once a week because we make a show once a week. <laughs> once a week. So you're trying to tell me we've done this now for 140 weeks? Yes, Gary. We've done, we have not missed a week, my friend. I'm actually pretty smart then, I guess, if I figured that one out. Yep. Episode 140. Of the Beach of the Brick podcast, Gary. Things are going good. Um, yep. I got a little quiz for you, Byron. Okay, what's up, man? Who is one of the greatest boxers of our time? Maybe the best ever. Okay, I was gonna say you, but I haven't actually Boxer. seen you. I haven't actually seen you box uh, more than your five minute cardio limit. Um, <laughs> maybe Muhammad. I can do five minute rounds. Maybe Muhammad Ali. 
Correct, Amundo. Um, hey, the reason I say that is we are going to have a uh, quote this week from Muhammad Ali, uh, one of the greatest ever. Um, but Muhammad's quote is, he who is not courageous enough to take risks will accomplish nothing in life. Once again, he who is not courageous enough to take risks will accomplish nothing in life. And, you know, it's kind of almost like, uh, kind of reminds me of uh, the quote from Ken Blackburn um, from a couple of weeks ago. But in life, we're, we're going to be down, we're going to be up, but um, you you got to take risks. Nothing's going to... Uh, Nothing's going to be given to us. Nothing's just going to fall into our lap. Or Byron, though, every now and then a Tootsie Roll falls into his lap. <laughs> take it. But it's, uh, we have to take risk. Uh, you know, think of, think of when we first started jiu-jitsu. I mean, it, we talked about it numerous times, but it's, it's very nerve-wracking going to that first class, especially if you don't know anybody. And it's, uh, you're actually really taking a risk to do it and uh look where we are today uh, everybody listening uh, has all you know stepped in that gym and tried it the first time uh muhammad ali look at all the risks you know he took in life he's uh you know became the one of the greatest boxers of all time and uh, he didn't do that by playing playing everything safe yeah and he was definitely uh you know controversial he was uh you know talker and uh you know sold his fights and uh you know he was uh he was definitely a risk taker the, the idea of just taking risks to take them could be uh, very foolhardy, but there'll be a time in your life when you're trying to think if this is a good idea, if it's right for you. It seems like uh, maybe it's a bit risky. Kind of maybe wait until the, if, like, what would happen if you succeeded at this goal or this this thing you wanted to do? Um, I, I can't think of anything, like, amazing, for example, but I remember uh, being in a uh, in a bookstore and seeing a nice young lady across from me and I was like, I want to talk to her and get to know her a little bit. Yeah, I might look like an idiot. She'll probably shoot me down. But this person ended up being my wife. I mean, like, it wasn't a huge risk. But I, I, I risk being, you know, kind of embarrassed or whatever. But that's how I met her. I mean, it's, I took a little risk. And, you know, um, I I don't know if accomplishing a wife is something like that. But, like, you got to make you got to take some risks in some things. It could be changing your job. If you're in a place you hate working... Uh, you know, don't just quit today and find a new job, right? You think you'll find one right away. But maybe, like, think about the steps you're going to make and start working on those to, to take that step. Don't just blindly – I wouldn't advise you to blindly, oh, screw it, I'm done, I, you know. Yeah, we're not telling you to uh, go to the Grand Canyon, create a little <laughs> ramp out of dirt, and then back your car up about 200 feet and gun it and try to jump the Grand Canyon because that's a foolish risk. Yeah, it's got to be plywood. Not dirt, Gary. Yeah, something like uh, they did Napoleon Dynamite, you know, uh, a <laughs> ramp like that. You know, I mean, he got a good five feet off the ground. He did get, He got a lot of air that time. Yeah, a lot of air. All right, let's break down this clip that Gary just referenced from the movie Napoleon Dynamite. We've got our friend Napoleon and his buddy Pedro standing outside of school looking at Pedro's bike. It's a sledgehammer. Dang, you got shocks, pegs. Lucky. A pretty sweet bike it is. You ever take it off any sweet jumps? Scene changes in front of a house with a ramp made of plywood, mind you, and a couple of, uh, looks like, cinder blocks underneath it there. (laughs) 
You got like three feet of air that time. Pedro lands the jump, getting probably six inches of air, in all honesty, and then rides smoothly down the sidewalk. Can I try it really quick? Cut to the scene where Pedro is now watching the ramp, and Napoleon's going to be on it. The center blocks are moved slightly with the ramp, and our friend Napoleon will come screaming down the sidewalk to jump the ramp. The ramp buckles, causing Napoleon to slide forward violently, hitting his little Napoleon on the handlebar. He is buckled in pain. I don't know why we quote that movie so dang much, Gary. <laughs> we do, though. But uh, speaking of quotes, this is our quote of the week. <laughs> it's, it's not who is courageous enough to take a risk. Um, wait. He who is not courageous enough to take a risk will accomplish nothing in life. Um, so... We all take risks whether you want to or not. In fact, doing nothing, you know, it's kind of a, like, what are you doing? I don't know. Maybe it's not really a risk, but take a few risks. Starting this, starting this podcast was a risk. Yeah. I mean, it really was. You No podcasting experience. Uh, let's try it out, see what happens 140 episodes later. Yep. Go listen to episode one and two and the first so many and hopefully we got better <laughs> hopefully we did but uh, sometimes I feel like I'm struggling over here Gary but that's okay it's always good to struggle Byron sometimes it's good to excel as well <laughs> oh, I Gary. agree with you there the, excelling the, excelling is is maybe uh, more uh, rewarding well the, I don't know about that I actually like to uh, the challenge yeah the challenge it, it's very rewarding when you when you finish or you dig yourself out of that hole yeah. Well, I've dug myself in a pretty good hole right now. Speaking of digging out of the hole, I think we should uh, get on to our article of the week, Byron. Yep. We'll start digging in an upward direction, and we'll <laughs> head over to uh, com. This is two weeks in a row we've used uh, com as an article. This article was sent to, our, to us by our friend Matt, uh, so thank you, buddy, uh, for the article suggestion. If you... Have an article you think we should cover? Send it our way, bjbrick at gmail.com. If you've written an article, absolutely send it our way. We'd love to share it with the rest of the audience. But this article is called Purple Belt, a.k.a. The Rolling Belt. Um, and there's this is a fairly lengthy article. It talks about you know developing to become a purple belt, what to do when you get there. You know, It's a belt where you really can't always get instruction from everybody or from even your instructor anymore because you're at a stage of like personalizing your game and and, and and how to deal with that. But a little bit deeper into the article is kind of what I would like to touch on is the seven ways you should be rolling. And these are ways white belt, blue belt, purple, brown, black, whatever. These are just different modes that you might want to consider getting into while you're on the mat to help you kind of diversify your learning and diversify your experience on the mat. Because if every time uh, I roll with somebody, I do this, I, I'm going to be I'm gonna be crushing every time I roll with somebody. Well, I'm not going to have a real flowing style if I want to have that. You know, I won't be able to uh, have a playful style developed. So uh, the idea of having different modes you could play. And the first one I, that uh, I kind of hinted at is a crushing style of... Of, 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 a, of, a, of a mode and it's important to be able to put pressure on people and if you never play that you always play a, like a loose game and you always just fire away random submissions all the time and, and you're not really worried about 
uh, putting any pressure, maybe you should try a crushing style of game using your weight, using the top position, using you know the back, and and really uh, trying to put some pressure on people. Not worry so much about submissions, not worry about so much about sweeps, but uh, worry about pressure. And play that for a game, play that for uh, a day, a, a single roll, or a month, or whatever. Learn how to do be a little bit more crushing. And I can tell you, listening to that from Byron, Byron is a master at uh, crushing you on top. So uh, it's never fun being underneath Byron. He's uh, he's going to crush you. Um, number two, do not finish anyone. And basically what he's trying to say is, is roll where you catch and release submissions. But we're not we're not focused on the submissions that's why we're letting them go we're going to focus mainly on positions we're going to go back and forth different positions we get submission we're going to take it we're going to release it we're just going to keep going you know but our big thing is focus on the position yeah i think that that's the role i roll with what i'm rolling with gary is i don't want to finish anything because I never seem to actually finish anything. I just tell myself that. But really, there is an advantage. If you catch an arm bar and you finish it, fine. If you catch an arm bar and you kind of let them work out of it, then you could do your transition after that, and then you'll become good at the follow-up technique. So that's a big benefit to doing the catch-and-release style of game. And you're also helping your partner. I mean, he, he knows he's caught. How many times have you been in an arm bar? You know you're caught. But you're letting him escape too. So you're working your position, getting the submission. You're letting him escape, and you're working your transition. So um, it's not just helping you. It's helping your partner there too. Yeah. And another mode that they uh, talk about here is don't give up anything. Um, and it says don't give up an inch to anyone. Um, basically, I'm seeing this. I'm thinking somebody who gets swept easily should consider doing this or at least trying this mode uh, because a lot of times especially when we're just playing around we're just rolling it's not a big deal to get swept you know i'm just so i'll work on the bottom game but the idea in my head i'm not gonna get give up a point i'm not gonna get swept i'm not gonna get my guard pass i don't want to give up anything uh i want to go this five minute round or whatever without getting scored on unless i absolutely there's nothing i can do about it Try rolling like that. It's a little harder to roll that way, but you'll you'll start doing things differently. A lot of times in class, not caring if you get swept is like the start of becoming easy to be swept. Does that make sense, Gary? It, it makes sense, definitely. So just by the idea of like, I don't want to be swept, your body will react in ways and keep you on top a little bit better than if you, oh, well, I got swept. They always move with that. No, a lot of avoiding the sweep is just fighting a little bit harder. And, and creating a little distance and getting your feet back underneath you. So that's that's one game that I think that um, maybe your guard gets passed a lot. Don't give that up. You know, so what? You're working on your side control. That's fine. But it, play this mode a little bit to learn what it's like to fight so hard to keep your guard from your pass. And uh, you, you should learn from that. So I think the idea here is to just try these out periodically and uh, and to enter into this mode purposely and uh, and then to exit, you know. Yeah, on. you can't you can't use them all at the same time. But like you said, use them use them all at different times. You know, uh, one day don't give anything. One day don't finish anybody. And and the next one, uh, kind of the opposite of don't give an inch to anyone. Uh, keep it playful. But the key word is with a purpose. Um, you know, adhere to principles and pick a goal. Like maybe your goal is, uh, you know, I want to, uh, <laughs> you know do a cartwheel pass or something like that so um but you know every time you don't just have to go you know crazy go 100 percent. you know try to not give an inch to anybody 
but some days just uh, just tone it down a little bit, keep it playful, but have a purpose of what you're doing. Go in there knowing exactly what you're going to work on, but um, you know, have fun, have a smile on your face. Yep, we've got a handful of guys I roll with uh, pretty regularly that will laugh at the situation as it's getting worse for them. You know, let's say I, I get both hooks in. And for some reason, that's funny. You know, I can't like. I think it's maybe I do something a little unusual to get it or something like that. But uh, we have a couple of guys who will just start laughing at the situation as uh, the things that are happening to them are getting worse and worse. And that's that's so playful. It's it's just like it's a it's a different environment. We're here to have a good time. It's not a big deal if I get tapped. I'm laughing right now, so I really don't care. I, I like rolling with those people. They're fun to roll with. Um, another, another mode here is marathon round. Just go out there and roll as long as you can. Um, don't worry about time. Don't worry about you know any limits. You, you get submitted, keep rolling. Just go out there and just roll and roll and roll and see what it's like to just kind of just try to move and and just survive situations. And I think that marathon round could be a big confidence builder um, to do. What's that. the longest you've rolled? Have you tried like a marathon round and and Time didn't see how long you went. I had, Gary, I don't have any idea. Probably, honestly, the, some of the longer rounds I've had would probably been with you. And I don't know if they've like crossed thirty minutes or so. But like after a while, it's like you wanted to roll with a new person. You know, yeah, not, not yeah. sorry, Gary. You're, I mean, you just not oh, good thanks. usually. Yeah. But yep. Thirty minutes into it, I'm ready to get somebody who's a little less sweaty, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Saying I got a sweating problem, but yeah, I do. I do. Um, another good one: allow bad positions. But as again, with a purpose and basically put yourself in some bad positions so you can focus on escaping, defending, um, which are two very important concepts. We need to know how to escape bad positions. We know how to we need to know how to defend uh, submissions. And, you know, I I like uh, this little sentence, find comfort in discomfort. And that's really kind of. The what happens in jiu-jitsu every day you need to find comfort in a, in a bad position when you're you're rolled up it's uh you got to be find <laughs> you got to be comfortable you got to be calm and find your way out of it so uh, find comfort in discomfort you know what i think about when i heard that just now find comfort in discomfort remember the old uh, futon style couch that would be an uncomfortable couch that would also roll out to be a really uncomfortable bed Find comfort yeah, but, in the food. That could be a good motto for the futon couch. You know, the craziest thing is we had that futon couch. <laughs> and um, like the crazy thing was whenever I couldn't sleep, I would go out to that futon couch. And I always fell asleep within like a second on that futon couch. So uh, I actually miss that to this day. But, the, the, but wasn't it uncomfortable though? It was uncomfortable to sit on it. But, and it was probably kind of uncomfortable, I guess. But for some reason, I could always fall asleep in that thing. I don't know what it was. So you would literally find comfort in the discomfort. That should have been the model oh, for futon. Yes. If they would I have had that, I didn't get that point. Yeah, if, it's true. If they'd have had that as a as a slogan, that yeah. we'd all be having futons in it in all of our uh, all of our living rooms right now, Gary. Yep, I'm actually thinking I'm going to go search Amazon and find one after the show. Okay, this is uh, this is gonna be good, and I'm looking forward to maybe spending. Uh, if I need to crash at your place, there's a futon I could always uh, crash on there. Yep. Unless I you can't sleep, and then I'm leaving this. you alone. Yep. <laughs> that wraps <laughs> the up the last article. one. Last yeah. one. We'll do the last one okay. too. Uh, float, and we're not talking about uh, like uh, you're like a butterfly? floating on air, or you're. Uh, 
uh, like one of the magicians. Um, he's basically saying, don't hold positions too long. Hop around, go to different positions, move quickly. You know, just just go back and forth, and uh, it's it's going to help your transitions. It's just going to you're going to get better at each, your transitions, and you're going to get better at each one of those positions. So float between well, positions, and I think floating encourages more scrambles, depending on who you're rolling with. You know, if yeah. you're kind of playing yep. a, a more loose game and you're not holding positions, you're going to enter into to many more scrambles per roll than you would experience playing a tight crushing game. Because yep. uh, I do have that floating game, and I get in a lot of scrambles where you got that crushing pressure game. It's crazy. We got totally opposite games. I, I think. Okay, I might be wrong here. It seems like the like the the, the scramble induced person, if they have a good guillotine, that's always trouble. There's always guillotines and scrambles. It seems like um, Gary, get a dang good guillotine, my friend. So, uh, Thank you, Jason Bircher. <laughs> Yeah, he does have a good one as well, showing us, getting, giving us some tips on our guillotines. But uh, the article is probably uh, a link to it in your email inbox with the show notes, but it's jujitsutimes.com, uh, purple belt, a.k.a. the rolling belt. And uh, we just highlighted one section. There's at least two or three more sections about uh, being a purple belt, basically. And uh, we, we thought this was universal for everybody who's, who's rolling different ideas and concepts of different modes you could get into. I like that a lot. Uh, out of this article. So thank you, Matt Lowe, for sending us this article. Appreciate it. Uh, good recommendation, my friend. Yep, great article. Um, I learned a lot from it. And speaking of learning a lot, I think it's time to get on to Ricardo Tubbs. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He credits most of his wins to maintaining eye contact with his opponent. His gi never smells even after rolling with the stinky guy. He is often seen riding a unicorn to open men. When he got his white belt, black belt traveled for hundreds of miles just to roll with him. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. All right, my friends. I'm happy to bring Ricardo Tubbs to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Welcome to the show, Ricardo. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Happy to have you here. Um, you've got a lot going on. <laughs> uh, you have a, a gi company. You're supporting some uh, charitable uh, social projects and uh, training jiu-jitsu. So we have a lot to talk about today. Could you just kind of give yourself a little bit of introduction for the audience who may not know you yet? My name is uh, Ricardo Tubbs. I'm a uh, black belt under Master Ricardo Cavalcanti. Uh, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for close to 11 years now. Um, I own the Firma Kimono Company. I own the Firma Training Center. Uh, I'm a Navy guy, still in the Navy. And uh, and uh, I'm a dad. Uh, I would say I'm pretty much just like everybody else. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds good, right? <laughs> just, just like everyone else. Uh, well, I think some things make you uh, unique. But uh, tell us a, a little bit about the DeFirma uh, Kimono Company. Uh, we've been around for six years now. And it's funny, like, I tell people that and they're like, really? I just thought you were a new company. So, um, you know, it's kind of the way I, I kind of envisioned things happening. Uh, I was kind of realistic when I started the company. I started it when I started the firma uh, like six years ago. I think that was kind of like the 
everybody was starting a geek company and uh i could i could count the names of companies that have gone and come and gone and come and 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 uh so we just kind of stayed a little bit quiet uh we're starting to get a little bit of traction now where people know about us um and so we we we're we're pretty proud about what we do. We make some really nice custom geese for schools. Um, so that's why a lot of people are starting to see us because we make a lot of custom geese uh, for for different academies around the country. But, of course, we also have retail stuff, which I think is, is pretty nice. Uh, every year or so, we come out with a limited edition gi. The last one was the was the, uh, the last Atshuave uh, um, uh, version 2. And then uh, I think what really sets us apart with the with the company is is our sizing. I mean, we have forty nine different sizes available, uh, where a lot of companies have a lot less than that, I guess. Um, and I guess really the reason why we have so many sizes is because people come in every size. So uh, jujitsu for should be for everybody, and uh, everybody should be able to be comfortable in their in their gear. So. Um, of course, we make more than just geese. We do geese and rash guards and shorts and tank tops. And um, um, I think what sets us apart too is that we have a really, really nice set of geese made for uh, women. Um, so they're not just men's geese cut down a little bit shorter. They're actually made for women because women have these things called hips. Men don't. Not like women, at least. <laughs> and uh, thank God, right? So, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we make sure that uh, that everybody has a gi that fits, and I think that that's pretty cool. And um, yeah, you mentioned you have, uh, I think you said forty nine different gi sizes. Can you kind of break that down to me and what your how your sizing works? Uh, I have no idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, really all of our sizes have really come out of necessity. So what, I, what I've done over the years is I've really just kind of listened to what people tell me. You know, I get guys who tell me, well, you know, I need an A4 jacket, but I need A3 pants and I need this. And, you know, I have women who call me and say, well, I'm five foot seven, but I only weigh 115 pounds. Or, you know, I'm five foot three and I weigh 165 pounds. Uh, you know, what gi do you have that fits me? So, um, so we've just made a lot of sizes uh, throughout the years just by listening to people. A lot of times we just go right online, like I'll have somebody call me and they'll say, well, you know what, I have this and they say, well, you know what, there's probably somebody else out there with your exact body type, so let's go ahead and, you know, I'll actually get on Skype with somebody or FaceTime and we will go through a period of, of actually designing a gi that will fit uh, that person. So... Um, it's not that I do custom sizing for people because there's really no need anymore. If they just kind of follow the size charts, they should get the best the best fit as long as they're honest with themselves. So to everybody out there, if you're really five foot nine and you want to be six feet tall, that's fine. But be honest with yourself when you're buying a gi because <laughs> so, <laughs> you're not going to get a gi that fits you the right way. Um, so, yeah, so they really have just come out of necessity. Um and I, I really enjoy spending time with people making sure that we get them the right fit. Uh, I always tell people, contact me first if you have any questions whatsoever, uh, because I, I really just want people to get, you know, a good fit right out of the bag. Um, and, and, you know, having so many sizes can be a pain in the butt. But what's cool is that 
um, you know, people aren't wasting money trying to take it to a tailor and have a have a uniform hemmed or fixed uh, because usually when that happens, the integrity of the gi falls apart. So, so yeah, so I, I mean, it really just started years ago, especially like with the women's gi. So we have a sponsored athlete, um, uh, Lana Hunter, and and so when we first started, uh, we were kind of friendly. I'd met her at some some uh, tournaments, and I said, you know, I want you to help me design these geese for women. So we beta tested, I don't know, I, I think it was like 20 to 30 women, all different sizes, heights, everything. And uh, we spent a lot of money making geese to make people that fit. So she helped us find people. She's very influential in the jiu-jitsu community, so uh, she's been a big part of our company and has really helped us make a lot of our geese uh, pretty special. Well, that's cool. And you mentioned that you, um, I guess as we talk about this, where could somebody go to check these out? What's the website? Uh, com. D-A-F-I-R-M-A-B-J-J.com. Or they can just go right to the shop, which is shop, uh, uh, com. You mentioned that you do, uh, you make geese or kimonos for, uh, different schools and teams. How's that work? Uh, so basically, what happens is, um, you know, it's funny. Is like our business has grown almost exclusively on word of mouth. So uh, I'm really, really lucky that we have a lot of school owners who really, really like what we do, uh, and they tell their friends about what we do. So basically, what happens is um, we don't do custom geese like, you know. Um, Sometimes somebody will tell you they're, they're giving you a custom gi, and what they've done is they've just taken a gi off of the shelf and they've thrown some patches on it and they call it a custom gi. Um, we we go a lot of steps further uh, than just doing that. So uh, basically, a school will contact me. I will get their their school logos from them, and then I color coordinate everything. So my my DFKC. Uh, logos that are usually on the shoulder. We usually do a shoulder one or a round one, uh, and we color coordinate. We color coordinate everything with their logos with my logo. So my my logo is kind of a hybrid logo where I can I can add different colors and things. So um, and then we do custom tape. Um, so really, I mean, everything that the school is getting is a truly truly custom gi. So we don't make them uh, until they order them. Um, you know, it takes a few weeks. It's not like you're going to get them back uh, in five days. Um, but once they get them, they usually sell like hotcakes. I mean, everybody wants to represent their team. So, um, you know, once they contact me, um, we get everything set up. Everybody then realizes how affordable a custom gi is for their school, which I don't think that school owners um, understand Um you know, one, how affordable it can be, and two, how valuable it is for your academy. So, like, for instance, I own my own gym, uh, and everybody in my gym, uh, in our academy, wears a school gi. Um, I'm not saying that people couldn't come in and wear something else as long as that they, as long as they have, you know, their gi all patched up and they look like a team, but when you walk into my academy and you see a class with everybody wearing you know the same gi, whether it's whether it's the white one, the blue one, the the gray one, whichever. But it looks more professional. So um, 
we 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 did this because as I traveled around, I think I told you, I'm still in the Navy, so I travel a lot. I, I found that the schools that had uniforms were usually more successful. Um, if you're a parent and you walk into a school and this guy's wearing a tie dye gi and that guy's wearing a purple gi and that guy's wearing a that gi, it doesn't look quite as professional as everybody uh, in the same, at least similar uniform. Uh, it just looks more professional. So for me, we're, we're professional martial artists uh, and we're a professional academy and we want to look professional. So um, I think that uh, it, it, it definitely helps and it's 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 a great look. So yeah, so all the all the academies out there, uh, feel free to feel free to contact us at info at the firma BJJ, and uh, we can we can knock out some some really nice um, some really nice uh, mockups for you, and then you can make a decision. So I, I do a computer generated mockup, uh, and you know we make changes as needed, and uh, yeah, they really come out nice. I don't do any. Uh, I do not do any. Uh, screen printed patches. Everything is usually fully embroidered patches. Uh, I don't do direct embroidery because that breaks down the integrity of the uh, of the gi, especially with these new logos uh, that people are coming out with, talking about putting, you know, a couple million needle needles <laughs> to the gi. It's gonna break down, gonna break down the gi. But uh, yeah, we do some really really nice stuff. That was a really long, involved answer, and you gotta <laughs> ask me shorter questions next time. Okay, I'll ask, my answer will be short, but your yeah, my question will be short, but we'll see about the next answer. How'd you come up I with the it. name of the company? Um, it's a secret. Next question. No, that was uh, quick. <laughs> um, um, you know what? It, it came from somebody who I used to train with. Uh, um, and, and um, uh, it it talked about a particular sequence of moves uh and then there's a little bit more to it too so um but uh we just it was just something that stuck in my head all the time and something i got i got pretty good at doing and uh so yeah so then the name stuck people used to call me that uh and so now even people still call me ricardo de Fuma. so uh mostly because there's so many ricardos in brazilian jiu-jitsu <laughs> that uh, they needed uh, to to give me a nickname, so um, there you go. It was stuck. And then, how about the logo? What, does that mean anything? Or uh, tell me about that. What do you mean? The uh, is it koi? Oh, that's or... the old logo. Okay, that, that's the old logo. So you know what? It, it's actually interesting that you asked me about that. So the old koi logo. Um, you know. <laughs> As a, as a business owner myself and a, and a school owner, I always tell people it's important to make sure that your logo is, was professionally made and that your logo is original artwork. So uh, long story short, uh, that logo that we made uh, years ago, um, when, I, when I first started the company, I was actually, I was actually in Afghanistan uh, when, when we started making that logo. Uh, and I contacted a friend and you know, I said, "Hey, I need a, I need a logo. I need to make this logo. It's, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be professional. It's got to be this." And well, long story short, it turned out that it was clip art, and that's, you know, neither here nor there. I'm not upset about it anymore. Um, and uh, I realized later that it wasn't a uh, professional logo, so I had a new one made, uh, which is the the DFKC that you see all over the place um, uh, on the geese. 
Um, and, and that's my calling card. So everybody sees that and they know what gi it is. So those gis were professionally made by uh, a very good friend of mine, uh, Guto Braga from uh, BJJ Graphics. I'm going to give him a little plug. Um, so if you follow us on our page, I'm always telling people, make sure that you get professional vector art logos done because we can't work with Photoshop. Like everybody's great at Photoshop. It's wonderful, but if you want professional stuff, it's it, it has to be in a vector format. Uh, so Guto made the new logo for us, uh, and, and I've been singing his praises forever. Uh, so it's basically been about six years that we've become friends, and we've been friends and, and uh, ever since then. He's a great guy, and he, he is possibly the best artist uh, in all of the BJJ, and of course he does more than just BJJ stuff, but he's he's also a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's been doing this for 20 years. Um, I highly recommend the guy. Um, so, yeah, we, we love that. Uh, we love our new logo. We love the koi fish, but unfortunately it just wasn't original artwork. So, rather than getting sued by whoever owned that artwork in the first place, we got a professional logo done. Just move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple questions from some listeners here, and uh, one of them kind of relates to that. Uh, Chris wants to know uh, what it was like uh, running the company at the beginning of things and, and, and maybe some challenges you had with that. And I think you just kind of alluded to one with a logo, but could you maybe tell us something else about starting a gig company? Um, you know what? I, <clears throat> I, I told people all the time that uh, I said for years that I was going to start this company um, I've told this story a million times. My parents used to own a clothing factory uh, when I was a kid in Massachusetts, and uh, I knew how to make patterns. I, I, you know, maybe it was in my DNA. I don't know, but uh, of course, the factory closed. Um, you know, around that time, uh, when we, you know, one story, one thing leads to another, and you know, businesses go out of business. And uh, so, anyway. Um, uh, kind of, I would say the challenge, the challenge is, um, you know, the number one thing with starting any company is that you, you got to understand that you're not going to wake up tomorrow and be a millionaire. Um, because I'm certainly not a millionaire. Uh, and probably not going to be a millionaire off of a gee company. However, um, you, you really have to weather the storms. Things are going to be slow. There's going to be good times and bad times. Uh, you know, um, I think the most important thing for us is customer service. I try to treat every customer with respect and dignity and make sure that if they have questions, we answer them. Uh, I actually answer a lot of the questions. There are other people in the company that do, but I prefer to answer questions uh, of people just because I like to have that connection with people. Um, challenges. Um, challenges, you know, like so when we obviously we have 49 sizes which means that we're a lot different than every other company so to me i started it out with no preconceived notions that this is the way the geese should fit this is the way that this should be i just wanted to make them the way that i thought that they should fit um and um yeah i think really really the challenge is finding your niche uh and finding what you want to do i mean right now anybody can call I don't know, a factory in China, have some cool logos, throw some geese on it. But the jiu-jitsu community is smart, you know. Um, they're not just going to buy a gi because it's got a cool logo on it. They're going to buy a gi because it fits them well. It fits the way that they – not only does it fit them well, it fits the way that they play their jiu-jitsu game. 
So, so, so now you run into things like, well, this guy is five foot five and weighs 150 pounds, but he really loves open guard. This guy is five foot five and weighs 150 pounds and he's a close guard guy. Now he wants a gi that fits him the way that his game works better. So, so yeah, so I really just think that, um, you know, just finding your niche is kind of a, kind of a, where you should try to go with some things. You have 49 different sizes of gi. That sounds like it adds challenges to uh, to producing them. And then you mentioned that you're customer service oriented. And I think that those two, if you look at both those, you know, you could have three sizes of gis and, and not be as customer service. But you really want them to be very happy with it. You want it to fit well. So you, uh, it sounds like an extra burden, if I had to guess, to have that many different sizes and, and the way things fit Uh on there, but it's a definite gain for the, for the customer's experience. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to keep 49 sizes on the shelf. And, <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we, we really can't always keep 49 different sizes on the shelf. And a lot of times too, that's why we do like our limited edition geese. Uh, because when you do a limited edition gi, obviously we hold a pre-sale and then they can order exactly the sizes that they want. So, um, you know, there are some sizes like, uh, that we don't keep as many on the shelf. We may only keep one size, and then when that one sells out, we'll we'll order another one, or we'll make another one, I should say. Um, so we, you know, we try to keep as many of the sizes in stock. Of course, we keep more of the more of the regular sizes uh, in stock uh, on the shelf. But uh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, think forty nine sizes plus four different colors. So it's kind of hard to keep that many, you know, sometimes five different colors. Uh, it's hard, hard to keep that many, many on the shelf. Yeah. That, that sounds like a lot of, uh, a lot of stock in the, uh, in the warehouse there. Yeah. If you tried, yeah, but if you had that. I mean, I think, you know, myself as a jiu-jitsu guy, I, you know, I train five to six days a week. Um, and I never wear the same gi twice in a week, of course. Uh, and I always wash my geese and hang dry my geese. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of, you know, this is, uh, you got to have a bunch of geese if you want to train all the time. Yeah, it definitely helps out. Uh, this is a good, good topic here. Um, got somebody who's an expert with, uh, with geese and caring for them. So tell me kind of your procedure of washing and, and drying and, and how you get uh, how you store them? I don't know. Tell me maybe some care tips for a gi that you would recommend. Uh, you know what? Here, here's what I always tell people. Uh, so, for instance, we we pre shrink our gis twice, which I don't think too many people do. So, we pre shrink our gis. Um, we pre shrink the material, and then we cut the material and we shrink it again. So, uh, I don't. I like I said, I don't think that too many people do that, but we do. It's kind of an added step, but. Um, I always get people telling me I, I, I tried, I, I always buy a gi that's too big for me and then I try to shrink it and I bought your gi and it was too big for me and I tried to shrink it and it won't shrink. So <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So even on this, um, I've never been able to ask somebody this, what is pre-shrink? Are you washing it in warm water or are you drying it with a, with a high uh, heat or how does that a, work? There's a, there's a procedure that we, that we use, um, uh, to, to shrink the material down. So it's a hundred percent cotton. So cotton at one point in time was a living, was a, you know, comes, comes from plant. Um, 
Uh, so if you've ever seen cotton flying around the streets, um, you know, it comes from a uh, organic material. So um, no matter the quality of cotton is, is, you know, after it's, after it's, um, after it's woven, you shrink it uh, using the process that we use. Uh, and then we just go ahead and shrink it again uh, just to really tighten up the fibers. So what happens is uh, the, the fibers are woven together. Uh, and we try to make it as tight as possible, but then, um, you know, like I said, it's a living, living uh, or formerly living, you know, um, organic material. So, uh, if you put it into the washing machine, just like your jeans, right? If you throw your jeans into the washing machine on hot and you throw them into the dryer on hot, you put them in, they feel a little bit tighter. Uh, it's the same thing with the ghee. Um, so even though we've pre-shrunk everything, you still have to be careful with it. So... Um, um, so, so I don't know if I really answered your question. Well, is it, it, you maybe sometimes my jeans seem a little tighter based on what I'm eating that week, and it has uh, nothing to do with whether I'm, you know, how I'm drying them or not. But stay uh, away from the tacos. <laughs> tacos will get you every time. Yeah, they do. Yes, I love tacos. But anyway, <laughs> go on. Go ahead. No, uh, it's it, it just I'm just always just curious about um, caring for the ghee. So, yeah, so, so your your ghee. Yeah, go ahead. Here's what I do, and I tell everybody this. I always wash my geese in cold water, and I always hang dry them. So people always ask me, like, how do your geese, how do, especially, you know, the darker colors, how do your geese always stay so bright? Well, if you have a darker color gee, what will make the color drab is by putting them in the dryer. So the dryer will, it's not the warm water. That's making, or hot water as it may be, that's making your geese um, uh, lose color. It's actually the dryer. So the dryer just kind of makes your 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 geese look look uh, dingy. So, and of course, sometimes if you live in a place where there's hard hard water, uh, that can also affect it too. It can really affect like uh, white geese. Uh, I never wash white geese in bleach because they'll turn yellow. Cold water, hang dry, and you'll you'll your geese will last forever. So the geese so losing uh, some color in the dryer. Yeah, yeah. So why cold water? Why is that better than warm water? Uh, because uh, warm water uh, will will make the uh, geese shrink. So uh, even though we pre shrink everything, um, warm water will will uh, cause the fibers to get even tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, uh, and then the the ghee will feel will feel tighter itself. So, um, and then for some people it doesn't make any difference. Some people uh, the ghee just won't. You know, maybe they have some room, or the ghee is completely shrunk, and uh, it's just the right size for them. But you just have to be careful because even like I said, I any company. I mean, that's part of the reason why things have to be dry cleaned too. So, um, you know, the fabric responds differently to. To, to different um, different uh, temperatures and chemicals. So um, I always tell people just, just cold water, hang dry, and you'll you'll maintain the same the same fit that you had once it comes out of the bag. Yeah, and just the thing that I do, uh, based, sometimes the humidity is kind of high here, but I just do it every time. I'll take a fan and I'll point it at my ghee while it's hang yeah. dry. It seems to dry a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our ghees are pretty light. Uh, it's really my take on the gold weave uh, fabric. So, um, yeah. Wow, so you definitely can 
I mean, a fan, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, yeah, but that high heat will, high heat in the dryer will, will really, um, will really take the color right out of a, a darker gi. All right. Good advice to hear. That's uh, good to know. Um, I've got yeah. another question from another listener. Uh, Jake wants to hear about the maybe the cultural differences or similarities with the Navy and uh, BJJ. We all know the BJJ community and kind of what, what to expect in there, but maybe can you com- make some comparisons with the two? Like in the um, community? Let's see. So <clears throat> uh, I've done a lot of things in the Navy. I'm a prior enlisted guy. Uh, I'm an officer now, uh, so people can laugh at me about that. But, uh, but, uh, so I've been in the Navy for 20 years now. Um, jujitsu, um, so I, I've done a lot of things with groundwork. I don't do a lot of ship stuff. So I've done things with Marines and explosive ordnance disposal and SEALs and things like that. I'm not, not a SEAL. I like to make sure that people know that too. <laughs> I don't want Don Shipley uh, chasing me down, telling me that, <laughs> that I was a poser. <laughs> but uh, so I started out as a, I was a corpsman. I was an independent duty corpsman. Uh, I was a chief petty officer, and now I'm a uh, I'm a lieutenant. But um, so um, you know, jujitsu uh, I think is important um, for any you know just really anybody in the Navy. It's a great way to relieve stress. And people don't always realize how much stress we're under uh, in the military, uh, whether it's the Navy, Army, Air Force, and we'll even include the Coast Guard in there. Uh, that was a little joke against the Coast Guard. Love you guys. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, we're, we're under a lot of stress. So jujitsu is a great way to relieve stress. Uh, it's a great way to keep yourself physically fit. Um, and, and so when you're overseas, not too long ago, I had a chance to visit um, Japan and I taught a seminar over there and taught a few classes over there. Um, I mean, these guys love jujitsu. Um, it's just, a, it's really the same as, same as anybody else. It's just that when we go places, we leave our families, we leave the country, uh, we go to war. Um, and, and I even, I even did jujitsu when I was in Afghanistan. You know, it's a great, great distraction from the things that, that we have to do over there. Um, uh, you know, I really, I usually don't talk about my Navy life and the geek company because I, I try to keep the two things separately, but, you know, but I am just a jujitsu guy, just like everybody else. I just happen to make, make kimonos. Um, so, um, I mean, I think they, they tie in well together. Um, especially those of us who have to do combatives and Micmac training, there's a little bit more involved in it. We do a lot of not every school up, you know, a lot of schools are very into, um, you know, the sport aspect of jujitsu, which is great. I love sport jujitsu. I competed plenty of times. Uh, I plan to compete again, but we also teach the real self defense stuff. You know, we teach, uh, this week we've been focusing on weapons, um, uh, dealing with people coming at you with guns and knives, um, and then just real self defense type stuff. I'm, I'm so spoiled, um, <laughs> Friday night, I, I got a phone call. Oh, Friday, Friday night. Yeah. Friday, Friday or Saturday, I get a phone call and, uh, and the other voice on the other said, he called just as Hoist Gracie. I'll be in Maryland. Come train with me. And so what do you do when <laughs> Hoist Gracie calls you? You get in your car yeah. <laughs> and you drive four hours to go train with Hoist Gracie. Uh, and we worked on, 
his seminar was awesome. It was just strictly real self Gracie self-defense. Uh, it was awesome. I, I highly recommend if Hoist is in your area, you go to it uh, and it'll really open your eyes to some, some pretty cool stuff. So um, and we're very spoiled that uh, we get to make some geese for Hoist uh, thanks to our one of our athletes, Eli Knight, who hooked us up with Hoist. And, and Hoist is funny. He's a nice guy. I, I highly recommend uh, going to one of his seminars. Yeah, who would uh, miss out on that opportunity? Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> when Hoist calls, you go. That's how it works. That, yeah, that's uh, that's good advice. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. I just can't I get, get Hoist to call me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you never know. Yeah, you never know. there you go. And we're lucky too, man. We've got so many cool people that we work with. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and I don't want to. I guess I did just name drop, didn't I? Uh, yeah, but, but it was Hoist. You know, we've just got so many really cool people that we work with. Um, I just think that we're really, really, really blessed to have some some pretty cool people to work with. Making something or producing something or whatever, but it, it, a lot of times it boils down to who you're working with and, and it helps you appreciate that. It, to me, it makes work a lot more enjoyable if it's, you're with good quality people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really, I just, you know, <clears throat> I'm not going to make any secrets about this. We're, like I said, I think I said this to be, I don't think uh, we're going to be billionaires through this gee company, this is like, you have to love doing this. You really, really have to love doing this. Um, because if you're in it just for the money, you're going to get disappointed. Um, you're really going to get disappointed, uh, because this is a, it's a tough business. Uh, there's, you know, it's manufacturing. So not everything is always made perfectly. Uh, we try to like, we do so much quality control, uh, but every now and again, one sneaks by and, you know, I tell people, you know, if, if it's my fault and something's wrong with your, your gi, uh, I'll replace it. I'll replace the jacket. I'll replace pants. I'll maybe I have to replace the whole thing. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, I try to do my best to take care of people. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, this is kind of a funny one. I, I had somebody contact me and they bought a gi like five years prior and they heard that I'm very, you know, you know, if it's a manufacturer mistake, uh, I will, I'll replace, you know, something happens when the first month or two of you wearing your gi, but five years later, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said, uh, I, you know, one of my employees is just like, yeah, try calling Nike after having your running shoes for five years and no kidding. replacing it. So, I mean, I say it kind of jokingly, it was kind of funny at the time, but, the point is, is that if uh, if we screw up something, uh, we want to make sure that we we take care of people and they get what they what they ordered. Yeah, within a reasonable time frame. That yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. don't you abuse a gi for five years and uh, come at you. That's yeah. funny. So, but you know, we we try to take care of people, and and we really don't have too many problems. Uh, we don't really have too many things that we have to you know replace. You know, we're humans. Every now and again. You know, something happens, but we, we try to take care of it. That's good. Yeah, we're talking about taking care of people. Uh, you're involved in some social projects. Could you tell us about those a little bit? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm really proud of them. Um, you know, we've been we've had the fortune of working with uh, some high school programs out in California. Uh, we work a lot with Vector Jiu-Jitsu down in Mississippi. Um, those guys are awesome. I'm really proud of working with those guys. You know, there's a... Just get it on Vector Jiu-Jitsu. They, they, they work in a school system. Uh, 
kind of a husband and wife team who run the program over there. Uh, Chris and Beth, they're good people. Uh, you know, and the, the graduation rate from their high schools is pretty low. Uh, I think it's less than 50%. If I recall, I hope I'm not wrong. And then the people from the high school call me and yell at me, but the graduation rate is, is, is relatively low. I mean, we'd like to see a hundred percent graduation rate, but from their program this year, 100% of the kids who have been in their program graduated. And that is awesome. I mean, that is, uh, that's a testament to what those guys do, to the standards that they hold their students to. Their kids don't pay to do jiu-jitsu with them. Um, I, I just think they're doing such a, such a great job, and uh, I, they deserve all the accolades in the world. And uh, very proud to work with them. And then we have, uh, in Boston, we've worked with uh, Level Ground Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, we've donated a lot of stuff to them. And then also, uh, we have a social project in Brazil. Uh, basically translates into action and reaction. Um, really, really proud to work with them. A lot of great kids in that program. Uh, and we, we, of course, all the programs will continue to work with for, for as long as, as long as we're a company. So, uh, you said a lot there and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what's going on. Um, so Vector Jiu-Jitsu, it's in a, it takes place in a school or it's like kind of next to a school then kids go. No, it's in the school. It's in the school. Cool. I haven't heard. I hadn't heard much about uh, jujitsu in schools. Uh, uh, actually, even one of our athletes runs uh, jujitsu in his school. Uh, we've we've helped them out with a lot of stuff out in Sacramento. Uh, his name is Chris Latino, um, and and yeah, there's uh, even a couple schools that we've made geese for that are are not kind of projects. Uh, there are a couple private schools that actually have jujitsu within the school in Texas. Wow, that's awesome, and and it's helping. Uh, I, I would guess, if anything, it just helps you maybe want to show up to school a little bit more than um, a typical day if you get to do some training. Oh. And, and maybe that's maybe that's a slight influence of why they're sticking with it. Maybe it's just helping them be motivated or seeing uh, with their you know respecting their teachers and seeing what they're doing. And I don't know, but that's it. Sounds like it's got great results. Yeah, and I, you know, we love working with them. We we have some new surprises for some of the programs coming up. They'll be receiving some cool stuff from us pretty soon. So, yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty excited. We're, we really enjoy working with them. Oh, that is cool. So, do you have any uh, big future plans for Deferma? Um, future plan. Well, we just came out with our 2016 geese. Um, we call them the established geese. Uh, they're really really nice. Uh, new logos. New colors. Uh, um, we just came out with a gray gi, which we think is beautiful. Um, it's probably our, a gi that most people are the most excited about. Uh, it's hard for me because, like, I, I I'm a traditional martial artist, uh, but then now I, I'm in, I'm infatuated with this gray gi. <laughs> so <laughs> so now I and so I've I've put away all my white gis and now I wear my gray gi um, a lot. Uh, so, um, we have some new women's gear, um, that we just came out with some brand new spats and a lot of the ladies and guys like spats. We, we have some really nice men's spats. Um, and then just, just new products coming out. You know, we've kind of started to expand past just jujitsu. We have a really, um, a really, really, uh, tough athlete that we support. I think you know her, her name is, uh, Kim Fox. Oh yeah, she's a uh, 
she's a she's a you know a champion kettlebell athlete um she's she's pretty tough and she loves our products and we're lucky that she does because she's um she's very vocal uh on on um you know on social media and within her community so you know our our gear is obviously you know uh, not just for jiu-jitsu although that's what we started for we're kind of moving out into some other some other um uh athletic endeavors and uh, you know just the other day i was walking down the street and I, I saw some lady wearing my spatch just hanging out. <laughs> so, so I guess maybe I guess maybe we're we're you know the word is kind of getting out about us and you know like I said we <clears throat> you know it's funny we talk about the gear um, like our men's spats are different than our women's spats, right? So uh, obviously again we talked about this before that men's bodies and women's bodies are not the same. Uh, so like our our I men's do. spats, uh, you know. Our men's bats even have a built-in athletic supporter in them. Um, so obviously women don't need that. So we don't put that into our women's bats. I think it would look pretty silly. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and then just the way that the hips are cut, uh, completely different. And the legs are a little bit smaller so that they fit properly. Um, so, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, our rash guards are cut differently for women than they are for men. Um for the for the same reason, so yeah, so uh, just the big things is where we we're probably going to have a new uh, limited edition gi coming out. Um, we've done a Brazil gi, we've done a Texas gi, we've done a Puerto Rico gi. So this time we're going to do one just for the for the for the good old USA, uh, and we're still working on still still working on the design for that one. But again, our artist. Guto, I give him ideas. We work on stuff together, and we come up with something beautiful. I think this one is going to be a uh, uh, should be a really nice one. We just haven't uh, completely figured out everything for it yet. Oh, cool! And is there uh, Facebook somewhere or somewhere like that they can go to kind of just keep up with what's happening with the company or with you? Yeah, uh, just Facebook. It's uh, Deferma BJJ on Facebook. Um, if they want to check out our school, uh, uh, they can check us out at the Firma Training Center. Uh, and the other thing too, if anybody ever comes to Virginia and they want to come visit us and train, um, we're your gi and, uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, we, we have jujitsu every single, we have five days a week, well actually six days a week, uh, and twice a day for, excuse me, for adults. And uh, we have kids classes, adult classes. We teach judo. We teach. We have strength and conditioning. We have yoga. So it's a uh, it's a pretty cool school. Well, that sounds good. Um, I know you're running a school. You're coaching there. I I, I want to get some uh, coaching advice for you or from you before we get uh, before we let you go. If that's okay with you, man, we can do this all day. <laughs> this all day. All right. Well, uh, let's just say, Ricardo, that you have a student going uh, to a tournament for the first time. Uh, what advice do you have for them uh, to get ready for that? You know, I've always treated tournaments just like training at the end of, of class. Uh, um, I, to me, it's it's really the same thing. Um, you know, maybe there's a little bit more hype because you've gotten yourself nervous, but once you get on the mat, uh, and, um, it's really the same thing. You go through your... You go through... Um, you know the the same 
moves the same jujitsu that you do when you're training at open mat or you're training uh, whatever you worked on that week uh, in, in class. I think one of the most important things is is listen to your coach. Uh, it's kind of hard because you're going to hear a lot of people, so kind of get used to your coach's voice. Uh, all my students know my voice. Um, they All of my students are learning Spanglish uh, because I coach in Spanglish. And uh, <laughs> so so that kind of sets it apart. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, we coach in Spanglish. And uh, they, they get a lot of <laughs> – so – uh, our head professor at our at our university uh, at our at our gym is also from he's also he's from Puerto Rico um, and he 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 uh, he's he's mastered all he's mastered Spanish English and Portuguese and uh, he mixes all three of those together so we haven't <laughs> come up with a, a terminology for that yet but uh, you know but uh, we 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 do uh, we do a lot of mixed languages uh, in our training so. Uh, we have we have a blast doing it too. So, really, just listen to your coach. Uh, have fun while you're out there. Don't get so hyped. You know, I, I, one piece of advice, especially to parents, don't put so much pressure on your kids. Um, I don't know how many yeah. times I've seen kids walking off the mats crying because they didn't win. Um, I've seen parents yelling at their kids because they didn't win. Or the, the one that I hate the most, I, I really have to say this, the parents who sit in the audience and scream out, break his arm. Uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's really not the spirit of jiu-jitsu. And unfortunately, I hate to say this, but almost every tournament I've been to, there's always that one person. Uh, that's, that's not the spirit of jiu-jitsu. Um, nobody should be going out there trying to break somebody's arm. Uh, most of us are nine to five guys. Uh, we have other jobs that we have to do. Jiu-jitsu is a great martial art uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a sport also. Um, so that's kind of kind of my advice, uh, not only to the athlete, but also to the, to the parents uh, or the loved ones that go out there. Um, um, and, and, and most of us professors would really like to, you know, as a dad, I hear somebody in the, in the stand screaming, break his arm, and that's my child. I'd love to bring him on the mats. <laughs> Talk to them. Yeah, we'll and, say talk to them. <laughs> yeah, talk to them on the mat. Um, talk more jujitsu. And talk more that, that is ridiculous to hear that at a, at a tournament, especially uh, kids or adult. Doesn't really matter. That's that's not what it's about. But to me, it also if you're that parent yelling that, it tells everybody who could hear you that you don't train and you don't have a clue what's happening on the mat. Because uh, exactly. if you did, you wouldn't you wouldn't scream that. That that's not that's not not appropriate at all. Uh, you said you like to treat tournament like you're just, you know, like you're rolling at the end of class and just have, have a good session. Sometimes I roll at the end of class and I end up like, yeah, I get tapped by this guy who never already taps me. I, you know, I got this other guy on my back for five minutes straight. I can't get him off. And sometimes I roll on, you know, the end of class and I'm having like a great day and everything's going smooth. And uh, do you have any, idea of of why that might be some days uh i'm rolling really great and some days it just seems like i can't get anything together well it's probably because you know what, what's your belt right now i'm black okay so as a as a as a black belt yourself uh you probably know this like so so i'm i'm, I'm a black belt also i think I, I mentioned that so but we're always learning new things right 
So and and so when you have kind of like a, a tough role, it could be that you're practicing new stuff that you just learned. Like Hobson Moore is very, um, you know, jujitsu never ends. And we're always learning new things, right? So somebody gets on your back and you can't get them off. It could be because you're trying, you know, this new position or you're trying a new escape that you learned. Um, and I, I, I find myself putting myself in bad positions a lot because it helps my jiu-jitsu. So uh, like right now I'm recovering from some from some knee surgeries like all jiu-jitsu guys. But I wish I could – I had a good story about why – how I blew out my knee doing jujitsu, but that's not how it happened. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so you find yourself, you find yourself, uh, learning new things, practicing new things. And then, you know what, uh, you know, when you're a jujitsu instructor, you're, you're training those new snakes to bite you. You know, if, if you're good at it, you want your students to get better than you or you want your teammates to get better than you. So, um, yeah, so I think that's that's kind of why some of those things happen, um, you know. And then there's always going to be good days and bad days. Yeah. You know? So I think uh, basically what you're getting at there, if if you're going to a tournament, maybe you shouldn't be playing around with new moves. You're just trying to pick up and yeah. stick with what you're good at already. Say like I experienced that in class. I'm trying to work on this new technique. Yeah, it's not going to be the best role for me. Whether I did the if I was doing the same thing I did. You know, for the past four or five months, that would be a lot easier role. But uh, maybe stick with what you know about during the during the match. You know what? My students will all tell you: stick with the basics. Um, if you watch, you watch jujitsu tournaments now. Guys are getting finished with the same exact submissions. Right? It's it's the same armbar, choke. You know, uh, leg locks. You know, they're 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 really, of course, leg locks are for advanced students. But I mean. Everybody's finishing everybody with the same submissions, uh, and 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 you know same guard techniques. Maybe some people are a little bit better at passing the guard, but you know the the basics. I mean, you watch you watch guys like uh, you know you you watch guys like um, Haja Gracie and and Sanji Hibero, basic jujitsu. I mean, really high level basic jujitsu, but it's basic jujitsu nonetheless. I mean, they're not doing anything crazy, fancy, out of control. Cobrinha, Cobrinha is like just watch him, watch him compete. I mean, he's uh, basically jujitsu, and he's and he's beating people with it because he's really, really good at his basics. You know, uh, so yeah, I mean, you just look at these guys, especially you know the ladies that are out there too. I mean, the jujitsu is it's it's absolutely high level, beautiful jujitsu, but it's all basics. Yeah, uh, stick with that. Get Good advice. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, basics, I'd like to kind of hear back when you were a blue belt. You know, maybe people listening to two black belts talk about jujitsu may not be uh, the most comprehensible for people. So, uh, if you tell us maybe something like what kind of a blue belt you were, or maybe if you could remember something from a struggle back in the day, uh, that would be some uh, a relatable story for people to hear. So, what <laughs> were you like as a blue belt? Um. I, I trained every day, um, sometimes twice a day. Um, but as a blue belt, I, I remember, I remember several times thinking to myself, "Why do I do this? Like, what am I doing? Like, why am I putting my body through all of this? Why? What? What, what am I doing?" Um, you know, I had a, I had a thirst for knowledge. I had a thirst for jujitsu. Um, I, I, 
I was lucky enough to train under some some really great professor, um, uh, and and um, and just uh, I really learned a lot about jujitsu. So I, as a blue belt, uh, I got tapped a lot. Uh, I probably didn't tap a lot of people, um, <laughs> and uh, I competed a lot. Um, I think competition is fun; kind of keeps your fire going. Um, but as a blue belt, I mean. I, I think I was I was okay at jujitsu. I think it's pretty good, I guess maybe. Um, uh, but just as a blue belt, I just I just trained all the time. Uh, there's always going to be ups and downs with jujitsu. Um, I, I remember one time for a little while, I was like, I'm going to quit. And then as, as soon as I said quit, I was grabbing my bag and going to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so I mean, just just as a blue belt, I just I just tried to train as much as I possibly could, um, and I was really lucky to have some some really high level um, partners to train with who are still my friends to this day. And, and even though I've moved away from where I was training as a blue belt, um, you know, I, I stuck with it. And it, you know, that goes back to that question you asked me as a as a Navy person. Uh, the average Navy person moves every three years. Um, so it's hard to stick with just one, one team because, you know, you may live in Texas, then move to Virginia and the team that you train with doesn't have an academy there or, you know, wherever. Uh, so, but just stick with it, you know, just, just find a place that you enjoy training at, uh, and, 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 and train. Yeah. If you have to, if you move in, in your People that you used to train with don't have anybody there that they know. You go meet some new people. <laughs> yeah. You got to keep training. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and so, like, for me, like, um, you know, I, I tell people, even at my, when they come in to try jujitsu at, at my at my academy, I always tell people, uh, try as many schools as you want. Uh, people ask me why I should choose my school over some other school. Um, you know, I, I just, everybody's looking for something different in jujitsu. You know, they may just look be looking for self defense. They may want to compete. They may want to do this. They may want to do that. They may want to do MMA or whatever it is. Um, you know, they they really just kind of. I tell people try the different places. Uh, hopefully, you choose us. I'm the worst salesman when it comes to selling <laughs> my school. I just think that my our instruction at the school sells itself. Yeah. And uh, just you know, like I said, everybody's looking for something different. And uh, yeah, I think that that kind of works. Yeah. Hey, back to your your blue belt days. Did you have a favorite technique or position that you really liked back then? Um, you know what? I started in an academy where close guard was king. Uh, I started uh, with uh, uh, the Salado Barrow Association, um, and you know, close guard was king. If you didn't have a good close guard, you didn't do jiu-jitsu. So, close guard was anything from close guard was my thing. Um, but I think. I'm not really sure where it started, but, you know, we had to do uh, stand-up. And so I, I I really, really fell in love with judo throws. Um, so that carried me through a lot of tournaments uh, as, a, as a younger competitor uh, because a lot of people don't focus a lot on stand-up, and I did, and we did. Um, so that helped me out a lot. So I really, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, the stand-up aspect of jiu-jitsu. Uh, close guard was key. Uh, the Elio Gracie joke was, you know, if it was good enough for Elio Gracie, it's probably good enough for me. So, um, 
so yeah, so so those two things, the stand up aspect, uh Hiraya Goshi, Uchimada, uh uh Seonagis, those were all like uh things that I, that I really enjoyed doing or trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any uh resemblance to your game today from that? Um yeah. Yeah, I mean I mean my jiu-jitsu was for me was just stick with the basics um uh you know i come from a uh, athletic background where i was a i was a football player um so it was just kind of stick with the the basics like just so i was a running back and uh you know my goal was always three yards and then see if i could get some more you know so same thing with jiu-jitsu it's it's kind of i think that my my jiu-jitsu game obviously has evolved um, but I, I would still say that I, I like close guard still. Uh, I'm just learning to do new things from close guard every day. Uh, but, uh, my, my current professor is, is really good at open guard and moving more in hips. And, uh, so that helps out a lot. And, oh, you know, the new thing that I've really been working on that I, I hadn't really worked on a lot, uh, is nogi. Um, we do a, we do a lot of nogi every Wednesday. We do nogi at our school, and then on Saturdays, of course, too, uh, during our open mat, we do nogi or gi, whatever people want to do. So, so new nogi, it's a it's a whole new game, and I'm you know we've kind of been focusing on it. Um, so it's fun. I, I really enjoy it. So that's that's definitely a new thing for me or newer thing. It's only been a few years where I've really been focusing on it. That's interesting that you bring that up. Here, where I'm at, we're kind of transitioning for the summertime to a lot more no gi just because the heat and it's just so much easier to train uh, without the gi when it's 105 outside uh, yeah. so we get a lot of people who have been training with the gi for basically a year and now we're asking them hey leave that at home and, and bring a pair of shorts and a and a shirt or a rash guard and, hopefully and they made by, hopefully made by the female there you go and, <laughs> and, and they're <laughs> and they're struggling a little bit with with picking up the the differences between the two and uh, so, someone who has who has done this, what advice do you have for somebody who's who's leaving the gi at home and training training noki, um, trying to make that transition? Learn how to control people's wrists. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's uh, you know it's uh, grips. You, you don't have the same grips anymore, uh, so you have to figure out how to have grips. It's a completely different game with passing the guard. Um, you know, um, it's a. Uh, it's just a really, really a different, different, different game. Um, and I'm always amazed by the guys that you can see who are world champions in the gi and world champions outside of the gi uh, with no gi. Uh, so I, I think that's really, really uh, pretty, pretty cool to see. Um, it's just a, just a different game. It, it really is. Uh, it's, uh, you know, a lot of the submissions are, are, are different. Um, you know, an arm bar is an arm bar, but sometimes it's hard to get that arm bar because there's no friction. You know that that gi offers a little bit of friction, uh, so uh, go out there with an open mind and have fun. I mean, I I, I really enjoy the no gi game. It's a it's a faster game. It's a it's a it's a whole another technical game. Um, just go out and have fun with it. Um, risk control, risk control, risk control. <laughs> <laughs> it, there there are differences, you know, like like you mentioned. I I, I try to tell them like. Enjoy the fact that you're not going to get stuck as much. So if you're in, in a bad spot, you sh- it should be a little easier to get out of that bad spot. 
because they're going to find themselves in bad spots because they're not used to Nogi. Um, so that's a that's a, an advantage I think that that people don't realize that it's easier to bust out of things sometimes without the gi on. And then I think there's a bigger difference if if I've been a guard player for three years straight and I want to learn how to play top game. That's a lot harder than going from uh, gi to Nogi. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, definitely. And you know what? I I think that it. Uh, I think that it's helped me out a lot with with my gi game uh, because I was so used. I was so used to. Um, uh, I was so used to the way that I played my game in, uh, in the gi. Now I've learned to play a new game with no gi, and it's translating into my gi game. So um, I use. <clears throat> You know, I don't even look for gi grips all the time uh, like I used to, um, and and so I think they both play off of each other and they both can help. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I yeah. think it's it's just the more you can learn, it's, it's fun. So I mean, as both of us are black belts, and so for me, I'm learning a whole new type of uh, a whole new type of uh, fun game to play. Yep, absolutely, and and just keep it like you said, keep it fun. Because uh, it is, it should be fun, you know. If you yeah. look at no gi as, well, I got to do this until I get back to the normal gi schedule or whatever. Um, you know, that's not the right. Look at it like something new, something fun, and and I you'll you'll come back to the gi with with some new ideas and some uh, some better movements, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that you know we all have. Uh, you know, things that we do, jobs, whatever, you know, tournament, you can't be getting your arm broken. We, we all have actual lives outside of jujitsu. Uh, and that does creep into our training as well. If somebody could come in and train maybe just once or twice a week, uh, do you have any advice for them to get the most out of those days? Um, come in. I mean, that's just try to get in as much as you can. And that's why, that's why we have classes every day. Um, I think it's hard, uh, you know, if you really want to learn jujitsu, or if you really want to have a, go to a jujitsu school, and that's what you really want to focus on. I'm not talking about guys who want to do MMA or they want to learn Muay Thai and maybe a little bit of jujitsu. If you really want to learn jujitsu, try to get to a school that offers classes every day, so that if you can't make it on Tuesday, you can still go on Wednesday, um, uh, or any other day for that matter. Um, so uh, just just try to get in as much as possible. Uh, Stay off of YouTube, <laughs> especially especially if you're a new guy. Really, just focus on what your professor has been teaching, um, or your coach, as it may be. Really, just focus on what they've been doing. I take notes. Uh, I usually leave every class and write down notes. Uh, I've been doing that ever since I started jujitsu, uh, and I have notebook after notebook after notebook full of stuff, um, and and really just focus on the little aspects. Um, um, of of what your professor's teaching, like, um, I think you asked me earlier about like you know submissions that I like. My students will tell you, <clears throat> will tell you that I like the kimura a lot. Uh, I don't know why. It's just one of those things. Like everybody's got their submission, I guess, that they find themselves finding. Uh, and then I just learned a totally, completely different way to set up the kimura that I never thought of doing before. Uh, and I, I used it and, and my professor was like, what the heck was that? <laughs> you know? So, uh, he's like, I don't even feel it in the same spot. And I was like, yeah, it's pre- pretty nice. Right. So, 
uh, just really pay attention to the small details, uh, and that will that will help you out a lot. That's great advice. Uh, tell us one more time uh, where we could go to just keep up with you with a company, and, and maybe uh, just throw a few links at us, and I'll, I'll put them in the show notes. Uh, uh, just uh, our regular website, deferrmentbjj.com. Um, uh, you can check out our academy if you want to see that, which is deferrmentc.com. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. We have Instagram and Twitter, and we're at deferrmentbjj uh, on those pieces of social media. Um, and Facebook. Uh, I go to a lot of tournaments, and uh, you know it's funny. Like I, I'll go to a tournament, and if I see somebody in a gi, I'll just walk up to them. I'm like, how do you like that gi? You know, I just want to <laughs> like to like to hear what people say, and then uh, you know I get answers most of the time. They're they're positive, and then I I'll introduce myself to them. Um, and I really like to to meet people who I mean they're spending their hard earned money on our gis, uh, and sometimes I guess people you know like to meet me. I don't know why, but. Uh, but I, I enjoy meeting people who spend their, their money on our geese, and, and uh, I think that's that's a lot of fun for me. That's cool, and that's uh, some good market research right there. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of market research, before we go, uh, I think we I, I talked to you about uh, uh, a local mixed martial arts organization that we support. Uh, great organization. Uh, I've I've taken people there, and they're like, "Are you kidding me?" This is a this is amateur. It's you know uh, Spartaca Fight League. Um, Spartaca Fight League is also owned by a, a Navy guy. Um, very very professional. Does a lot of great things for the military community here through the Spartaca Foundation, raising money for uh, wounded warriors, uh, uh, guys suffering from PTSD. Uh, it's just they they never stop. Very very proud to work with these guys. Very very proud to support them. Uh, and they put on an excellent, excellent, excellent show. And, and where are they located? Uh, they're right here in Virginia. They uh, they uh, their uh, their uh, tournaments are held in uh, uh, Norfolk, Virginia, at Old Dominion University, my alma mater, by the way. Uh, and uh, they hold them at the Ted Constant Center, usually packed, full of people. Um, we try to bring in as many cool people for the uh, tournaments as we can, uh, just to really keep keep everything as hyped as we can. Just just great stuff, and and uh, yeah, man, it's 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 great, great organization. And they they focus on giving uh, the best experience uh, for the. You say it feels like a professional organization, but it's for for amateur fighters. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Uh, uh, pretty soon, I think they're going to have some professional kickboxing coming in, but they've got some, they've got some really, really good. Just, just the way they organize. I've never heard anybody complain about them, and it's funny. Like I see, like uh, I see some amateur fights taking place where Mama's climbing over the fence, <laughs> save her baby. That would never happen at a Spartacus Fight League. I mean, these are, these are. I mean, this is as close to professional as you're going to get. The way that they run their program, so. Uh, very proud of uh, Jimmy Partica. He's doing a great job out there. I just wanted to give him a little shout out and, and let him know that uh, you know he's a lot like me. I mean, but he's he's a one man show behind the scenes. He does it all, and uh, he's a he's a the guy works hard. Uh, and I, I wish nothing but the best for those guys. Well, wow, that's cool. I think probably the one of the toughest things to do with the amateur MMA is to get 
good matchups. It's so hard yeah. to, to look at people on paper and and see this would be a good match. They they both are are you know one and zero oh or you know whatever one and one. They they could be two totally different skill levels, and that's uh, that's a tough thing. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, and they've got guys, you know, they've got guys who are the champions right now who are ready to move on to professional. I mean, they've got some guys who are are good. I mean, these guys are very, very well-rounded, very well-skilled, um, well-skilled guys, you know. And then, of course, you get guys who are who are in the military, uh, so it's kind of hard for those guys to go pro, but... You know, we got some some really really tough guys out there, um, which also is a testament to the to the way that jujitsu uh, and MMA is growing in this area here on the on the East Coast. Um, I think that we're we're definitely a little bit behind uh, places like California uh, and Texas and Florida, but uh, it's definitely coming up, and uh, you know, hopefully it'll continue to uh, to grow, which is good for everybody here. Well, cool. I'm I'm glad you mentioned them. I, we talked about that before we got on the air, and, and I wrote it down. I see it here, and I forgot to bring it up. So uh, I'm glad you did that. It's all right. Uh, I'm just, you know, I, you know, it's just like taking care of other small businesses um, and taking care of the community. Um, we're, we're trying to get a, a, a really, um, we're trying to get a substantial tournament in the area, maybe an IBJJF or or a BJJ tour, uh, which I think is great for us. We have Naga that comes through. Uh, uh, once or twice a year, and then we have some local tournaments that come through. Good fight, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of good ones. But you know, we, we'd really like to try to get an IBJJF tournament uh, here in the area. It's a perfect place for a tournament. Great, easy place to travel to. Uh, two airports, a bunch of hotels, um, and and we're kind of right in the middle of you know, you know, not too far from Maryland, Delaware, Delaware, North South Carolina, West Virginia. Um, real, real easy place for people uh, to come down uh, and train and and compete at a at a nice tournament. So, hopefully, if there's a tournament organizer out there <clears throat> who wants to uh, bring a big tournament this way, we we're, we're we're looking at looking at bringing those things. Well, cool, uh, Ricardo. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Do you have any final words for the audience? Uh, I wish we could have talked more about jujitsu and less about me, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> because jujitsu is where it's at. Um, but I just really appreciate everybody listening. I really appreciate you for having me on the, on the show. Hopefully we'll do it again sometime and, and, uh, spend some more time talking about jujitsu. You know, it's funny. I, I say this all the time. I'm, I'm more of a jujitsu guy than, than a guy who makes, at least I think I am, than a guy who just makes geese. I, I, I love everything jujitsu. Uh, I, I enjoy watching Mission Martial Arts. We we're lucky enough to sponsor guys who fight in the UFC uh, and, 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 uh, Invicta fighters. And, uh, so, um, we're real, real, uh, real lucky. Uh, so hopefully we do this again. We talk more about jujitsu and, and things currently going on. And, and, um, again, I, I really appreciate you guys having me. Thank, thanks to, uh, to Jake for telling you guys about me and, uh, Jake and Kim, cause they're pretty cool people. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we will uh, we'll do this again. All right. Well, sounds good. And uh, thank you for helping on here with me, Ricardo. Hey, thank you very much. I want to thank Ricardo Tubbs for the interview. Uh, learned a lot there, and uh, always good to get uh, just different information from people. Interesting story about starting the company, and of course, uh, learning about how to take care of your geese—something that we all need to know about. And uh, 
good information. So appreciate that. Uh, check out. Uh, we'll put links to Deferma, of course, on the uh, on the show notes there. And uh, great to hear he's supporting some charitable organizations as well. Uh, a lot of good things going on with Deferma. So check him out. Uh, the gym I train at Fox Fitness. Uh, they use their their geese and and they've got like uh, custom embroidery inside. It says uh, Fox BJJ inside. So it's really cool if you have a school and you want to get your own geese. Uh, it's a good way to go. At least give them a call and and look into it there. Yep, definitely a top quality uh, uh, top quality geese rash guards. Uh, do a little bit of everything. Hoodies. Uh, I know the new Fox Fitness hoodies are just incredible that I've seen. So uh, um, check them out. They will. Uh, uh, make the gear towards your school. They will uh, uh, brand it with your school. So check out Deferma. Gary, at the bottom of the show notes or our bottom of our website there on this art, on this podcast post, there'll be a video. Uh, it's just me, which is kind of unfortunate. You know, like it'd be a lot better if we had Gary's good-looking face in there. But you got to look at me, and I'm explaining the idea of Patreon uh, to, the, to the person viewing the video, which hopefully will be you. So my goal is to just get a few more views on the video. Uh, just... You know, maybe we'll get some people sign up. Maybe we won't. But if we can get some more views on the video, I'd really appreciate that a lot. Show people that are at least interested in, in checking out what Patreon's about. It's a way that our listeners can support us uh, on a per-episode basis. You might pledge a dollar or you know any number of, of amount is available. But um, there's different rewards for different levels. There's still some available at the $3 level. That's a pretty decent level because you get uh, our big... Uh, five-inch BJJ Brick Gee Patch sent to you as a token of appreciation for, for pledging $3 per episode. Uh, it means a lot to us, and it, it's making a huge difference in uh, us doing this uh, and being more stable and being able to produce a high-quality show as uh, we're hoping to do uh, every week get a little bit better. So check out the video at the bottom of the show notes or at the bottom of the website there uh, with this podcast. So um, just click on the Patreon video, my friends. Yep, and... Uh Check out the our other avenues of social media. We're on YouTube, um, as we've talked about before. We have a, a question and answer on YouTube. So if you do have any uh, questions, send them send them to us at bjjbrick at gmail dot com or message us on our Facebook page. We're on Facebook, which, uh, as we just said, uh, Facebook is probably what we check most often. We're on Twitter. We're on Reddit. So uh, definitely check us out on different avenues of social media. And, you know, let all your your teammates, all your friends know about us. Uh, tell them about the show. Tell them about the different avenues of social media. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. There we go. We got a lot for you to do. Gary, everybody has learned about my audiobook about your first year in BJJ, and even a few people have actually purchased this thing and, and have gotten some great use out of it. But this time, right now, the music is telling us we should learn about your audiobook that you are working on, but you don't even know the title of the book, and we're going to listen to you um, kind of work with this book live action style, Gary. Yep, just throw me out in the, in the middle of the ocean and sink or swim. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yes, we always end up doing this at the end of the show. It's a great way to just kind of have fun. And, and, and Gary works pretty hard, at, uh, and he's very quick-witted, so it's always a good time. Gary, your audiobook this time is called Rolling in the Living Room, The Futon Submission. I have no idea what this is about. Um, do you have any... Uh, what's going on with that, Gary? Well, you know, earlier you talked about uh, the futon, you know, finding uh, comfort and discomfort. And we were talking about that fold-out couch futon that was very uncomfortable, but uh, I could sleep well in it. But 
you know, I, I, I got rid of it before I started jujitsu, and uh, I started thinking about it. The nice thing about that futon is it's got your own mat, a practice mat. So, you know, I was thinking I could just pull the mattress out. You know, it's a, it's probably an inch or two thick, or probably an inch, inch, inch and a half thick. And, uh, you know, that would be perfect for drilling, you know, working there in the house. So I, I just looked at it that what a great way, especially if I had a small apartment. You know, the big thing right now is, uh, you know, tiny living, you know, tiny houses. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I could get the futon. I mean, think about think, think what I could use that for. First of all, I could use it as a chair, you know, a couch. I could eat dinner there. Then when it comes time to sleep, you know, I fold it out. And then uh, once it comes time to train... I just throw the mat out there. But, like we were talking about, the, the futon submission. You think about we're in a tiny place, so the, the frame's still going to be there. I'm going to have the <laughs> mat out. But I can use, like, the legs and stuff like that. I mean, if we get near it, I could use the legs and, and put your neck around it and, and kind of get you in a full Nelson and choke you with it. Well, I'm sorry, strangulate you with it. So, um, you know, there's we're going to learn a lot. We're going to learn, first of all, about... How a futon is like a like a Swiss Army knife uh, for tiny house living. You know, I could probably just in the whole thing just have a futon and a Swiss Army knife that I could use to eat and everything else. And I wouldn't need any other furniture, and uh, I could get my training done. But um, and then we'll go through, uh, you know, how to sleep on it, how to make it, you know, the most comfortable. And finally, we're gonna we're gonna show you how to drill on the mat, and then uh, how to finish a couple like the the leg full nelson submission so um you'll learn some you'll learn some submissions that'll really come in handy in in tight quarters gary now i know why in your tiny house that you that you're building the windows are foggy because you're are you in there grappling on a regular basis with this futon what's going on in that thing yeah, well, I mean, That's... most of the time I am grappling with the futon. <laughs> most of the time, people won't come in there. They're a little afraid to come in there with me. So, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of sit-ups and push-ups. But, you know, as I told you guys before, I can only go five minutes at a time before <laughs> I take a break. So, but, I mean, and you know I sweat a lot. So, uh, yeah, those windows, uh, and I don't have air conditioning yet. Oh, okay, that's, that's. I'm just relieved to know that's the reason why they're that they're fogged over all the time. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, uh, it's unconventional submission is probably illegal in most uh, it's, it, circuits. It's illegal in in 48 states, but one state you can actually do it in. I know what state that is, Gary. What state would that it's be? Kansas, because that's where we are. We're in Wichita, Kansas. And if you want to train with us, send us an email at bjjbrick at gmail dot com. And uh, traveling through Wichita, Kansas, let us know. We'll be happy to get some mat time. Gary will bring the futon pad if uh, upon request. Uh, if we promise we'll actually use real mats. <laughs> and here's a fun fact about Gary. He is the king of uh, acquiring mats from places. You should write a book about this for real, Gary. Like He just acquires mats from... I don't know, Gary, you, various garage sales, wrestling clubs that are closing down or getting new mats and whatever. And most of the time it's for free. I don't, yeah. It's just kind of crazy. Okay. I don't this, know. This is, I, I got now, some kind of knack for it. I don't know what it is. This is now real. Um, people people always seem to want mats. You know, like, okay, some mats. Give us a tip. Give us a real, none of this fake uh, Gary Audiobook tip here. You know, it's, it's just know as many people in the grappling community as possible and 
be nice. <laughs> I mean, really, it's uh, I I don't know. I just had a bunch of people just you know they just give them to me. I don't I don't really know what it is. I just uh, I got to know a lot of people. I don't know, and let it be known that if you know anybody has mats, I guess that's a big one right there. Like I was always looking for mats, but you know now I've I kind of stopped doing it. I've I've yeah. given all my mats away just about except for what I need, and uh, you know I'm kind of comfortable where I'm at right now. Yeah, and it, it's funny because if you're um, in Wichita, Kansas, and you need mat space for maybe a seminar, hey, it's going to be more people than we usually handle. You call Gary, and he will <laughs> he will hook you up with the how much you need, how many square uh, you, meters of, of mats do you need me to bring over, and he'll hook that up. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm in the the wrong business. Maybe I could uh, <laughs> figure out become a mat supplier or mat something. dealer. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, it's uh, it's been fun. I'm glad that it, that had never came up. The fact that you've acquired mats uh, pretty easily. I don't know, easily. Maybe maybe I'm just looking at it wrong. But you you acquire you've acquired a lot of mats over the years, Gary, and that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I've kind of given up though. So uh, maybe I need to get back into it. There you go. And I think just one more tip for your uh, audio book. There, maybe the futon submission book should be a pop up because you've done a few pop ups in the past, and it would be kind of cool to watch that pop out of there. Yeah, they're a little more expensive though, and. Uh, Right now, I, I think we'd probably need a couple more people to log on to Patreon to uh, oh. do the pop-up. There we go. We would appreciate that. Uh, Gary, it's been a great week. We're looking forward to next week. What's happening next week? Next week, we have a great show with Christina Barlin. She just finished second in the Worlds at Black Belt. And the crazy thing is, that was her first year competing at Black Belt. So um, uh, she's going to drop a lot of knowledge to us and help us all out. So definitely make sure you tune in next week. Absolutely. And as always... Stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to shower. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Another way we help... Uh, God dang it. <laughs> Man, I'm starting to suck. <laughs> getting worse, worse. Today. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs>